Really? It's as simple as sticking in your cabinet and walking away. Kind of. Let's talk about curing right here on the Backyard Gardens Podcast. To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds. And must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. All right, everybody, welcome to the Backyard Gardens podcast. We are a listener-supported show, so if you would like to support us and keep us going, you can check us out and link below at Patreon, where you get extra episodes and all kinds of other fun stuff. We're working on a big announcement. And then also you can buy T-shirts and stuff like that at Teespring, or you can use our Amazon list, which will give us a little bit of the profits and you get nothing but we have a whole section about canning and all of these are products that we use and trust in our gardens and our homes so please help support the backyard gardens podcast i think you said they get nothing if they go to amazon they don't they're not they charged have, anything more yeah yeah you're not charged anything more you don't get nothing you get what you pay I mean, for yeah i assume amazon's gonna amazon's gonna send you what you ordered yeah i would hope so <laughs> Um, so today we are carrying on our food preservation and we are talking about curing, which is one of my favorites personally. Well, before we dig into curing, I'm going to make an about face and somehow between us stopping our recording of last week's episode, I got really excited about pickling. I can't just like in a couple of searches came across a few recipes. So go back and listen to last week's episode if you want to. You know, hear more about that process because I may be diving in deeper. All right, but let's move on to caring. Yeah, let's move on. So that was a quick change. I know. I know. (laughs) All right. So our our nice, gentle friends at the National Center for Food Home Preservation say this about curing, and this one's not as long as last Mm -hmm. week. So (laughs) um, the earliest curing was actually dehydration. Mm-hmm. Early cultures used salt to help desiccate foods. Salting was common and even culinary by choosing raw salts from different sources, i.e. rock salt, sea salt, spice salt, etc. In the 1800s, it was discovered that certain sources of salt gave meat a red color instead of the unusual appet- unappetizing gray. Consumers overwhelmingly preferred to the red colored meat. In the This mixture of salts were nitrates, and as the microbiology of Clostridium botulinum was, oh man, these are a bunch of big words, (laughs) eludicated in the 1920s, it was realized that nitrates inhibited this organism. So, that doesn't really pertain to us as well else. Which is interesting, but I guess you could use, um, if you, there's two ways to look at curing. We need to say that right now, since it was read that way, there's curing meat mm-hmm. and then there's curing vegetables. Okay. We're not really going to focus on curing meat, but you can look into that if you would like. So curing vegetables, um, it, I think the very first line says it when it was actually dehydrating, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, within, within a sense. And what do you I'm, say? I'm fine with that. Like this, this idea of something staying in a place, you know, until a certain time has passed and then it's ready to be consumed in the way you intend it. So, I mean, I get it. You know? Right. I mean, but I wouldn't you consider know, t- sweet potatoes or, you know, a squash that I wouldn't consider those that I'm actually drying them. But again, I get it. Well, hold on. Let's. Um 
Let's talk about that real quick. So just to be clear, long-term curing for vegetables for long-term storage includes garlic, onions, potatoes, sweet potatoes, and winter squash. And you're not really drying them, but in a sense you are because there's a process in which you get the water to you, you lower the water content of the vegetables mm-hmm. so that it because the, the water veg the water in the vegetable is what causes it to rot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i like to say um like i told my wife the other last year we were um curing our sweet potatoes and she's like when are we gonna be able to eat the sweet potatoes like i'm ready and i'm like you gotta wait you know because if you put them in there if you pull them out of the ground you put them in there they're still damp and everything mm-hmm. two things happen one they can bruise very easily and two, it'll introduce rot because there's still that moisture. And as it gets in, it introduces bacteria and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So there is a process to the curing. Now, the long-term storage of putting it into your cabinet and walking away is not curing. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's just the storage of it, right? You know, so right. I mean, I guess maybe again, I, here I am changed. When you think about like harvest your onions on a dry day, you know, because a part of what you're trying to do is dry out that moisture as that's a part of curing your onions. Right. So you don't want to start if you can help it with something that's kind of, you know, really damp. Um, same idea with, you know, in the most ideal situation, you want to harvest sweet potatoes. I've even sweet potatoes and white potatoes that are more dry that are already in the ground in your containers or whatever, because it just puts you one step ahead. It doesn't mean that if they're wet, you can't go ahead and cure them. But to your point, yeah, you want to make sure you're careful around kind of how damp that thing is. And if it's actually, if there are any nicks on them, because that's where that moisture is going to settle. And, you know, that's where you could have, as you're curing it, you know, you can, as you're watching it, you can see that it's starting to mold, you know, so you have to be careful around that. Right. I mean, last year I did a video about um, harvesting my sweet potatoes and there was a sweet potato where I stuck my hand in the ground too hard Mm -hmm. to pull it out and not my fingernail, but my finger rubbed the skin off of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's how easily they're bruised at that point. Now, when you go to the grocery store, you can pick up a sweet potato and you can walk through the whole store and juggling it and drop it and you don't have that issue because they've been cured. Mm -hmm. And curing is not an overnight process it's a fortnight process you know (laughs) it takes it takes time Mm -hmm. and it's part of you know we have sections in our house that we use to cure you know um and there's all kinds of places you can cure but there's specific um temperature and humidity ranges that you really want in order to really maximize that so there's some things that um and I don't know, I've struggled to get to the recommended ranges for humidity and for temperature. Um, but there's some things that you're curing to allow that vegetable to continue to develop flavor. Right. You know, mm-hmm. when there are other mm-hmm. things that are being cured for the purpose of kind of solidifying it is probably the wrong word to use but you could go back to saying like okay it's dry in the sense of like a squash and now it can store for much longer like it's completed that process of growing and now we're headed into storage but i don't know you tell me your butternut squash if you would have eaten it that first day versus letting it cure would it have been as tasty so the curing process actually releases the sugars for the squash inside of yeah it really for all of them well, essentially white potatoes you could eat them straight out of the ground 
Like you straight can, out of the ground. You, eat it just like an apple. If you, if you cure them, it still releases a little bit more of the sugars mm. for that. But typically, your winter squashes and 100% your sweet mm-hmm. potatoes. If you don't cure your sweet potatoes, it's a totally different flavor. Yeah. Yeah. And some people enjoy that flavor. But generally speaking, you take those and you cure them and it releases that sugar content back out into the fruit and concentrates it more mm-hmm. because you're taking out that um, excess moisture content. Mm-hmm. And that the plant is receiving as it's in the ground growing, right? You know, Right. So for me, um, when I do my garlic and my sweet potatoes and even my white potatoes in particular, which is the first year or so, um, but I cure them all in the same plate way, I either cure them in my shed, which is hot and dry, or I cure them in my garage, which again is hot and dry, but my garage has a lower humidity level than outside. So um, I found this year I actually discovered something. If you keep your garage door shut, Mm -hmm. it'll be cooler in there and you'll pay less on your electric bill. So there's that. Okay. Um, So I kept my garage door shut and it's still hotter than in my house. But it helps to slow that process down and then allow it to kind of easily dry. Because if you leave it out in the rain, you're just introducing the water back mm-hmm, into it. So you mm-hmm. really want to keep it dry. My shed gets really hot, but it also gets humid as well. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't get the dew on it and stuff like that, which will raise the, um, I'm going to use a term here, locally raise the humidity level around that potato. So you may have very similar humidity levels in your garage or your shed, but they're not exasperated by the dew settling on them, the rains and stuff Mm -hmm, like that. mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, if you're curing something in a new space, keep a close eye on it. So um, just because you're like, you think you understand the conditions I had, um, and this isn't necessarily curing, this is more drying. I had some sunflower heads last year and I cut them off the you know the stalk and I put them in my garage and it was kind of like oh I'll get to them you know and Mm -hmm. it didn't occur to me how much moisture were still in the sunflower heads yeah right you know and so my in my mind my garage is dry you know it's warm and and then the next statement is and it's the perfect opportunity for mold to set as that you know sunflower head is is still very wet um and again not wet to the touch necessarily but some of these crops you're in a better situation because they don't have the nicks and crannies as much um to basically be able to hide that moisture um but for garlic this year which is the first year i successfully grew it i absolutely was like for the first week was looking at it every day checking it every day and then i got kind of you know the confidence kicked in i'm like oh it'll be fine which it has turned out to be fine i let it cure before i started using it maybe two weeks maybe three um but for these other things i've cured and um ultimately store things like spaghetti squash you know um Mm -hmm. and those are probably the easier crops you know the the ones with the hard the squash with the hard shell it's going to be an easier time for curing um and in my limited experience less of an opportunity for things to go bad you know uh potatoes especially white potatoes you know it's it's you know i think you should just eat them all after you've cured them no um 
those are definitely, you know, when you talk about the skin, the softness, that's definitely something that, and I've cured all of this in my basement, um, that you want to keep an eye on and monitor, especially if you have these things like kind of lined up closely, you know, so being cautious of things like just putting them into a box, right? You know, because potatoes, you've seen it in all of your life. One potato goes bad, man, it's going to grab, it's going to grab the rest of its partners and uh, they're going to go bad too. Potatoes breaking bad. And you know, when you have that moisture, so first of all, the, the sunflower, like, yeah, you were drying it, but I think you were technically curing it as well because you were, I mean, as we've just as we've found out and discussed, it's it's basically drying, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but not desiccating. Well, they're like actually just sucking all the moisture, like making jerky or something like yes. that. You know, so they're actually two methods. So what I was doing was more or less drying to buy me some time, right? Because the head of the sunflower was absolutely brown. The seeds were formed, right? But there, if you harvest your sunflowers earlier then you're still basically you're curing it until it gets to the point where the seed is like kind of fully available for consumption, if you will. So there are two time right. frames you can harvest a sunflower. So I definitely think you're right in that first stage, the earlier, like you're harvesting it earlier. I definitely would consider that curing um, now that you mentioned it and you describe it that way. Um, this is, though, it's actually it's a favorite of mine because it's kind of set it and forget it. Like not exactly. Yeah. Well, definitely once you get past the curing stage, but it's, you know, you're keeping an eye on it. It's less babysitting. You know, you're not looking for fungus every day, like when you're fermenting, you know, um, and you can move on to the next task. Obviously, some of these preservation methods, once you've worked with the, the vegetable or the herb, you're done. But this is something yeah. that, you know, you're talking about little work. Right. You're just monitoring. And then the shelf life for these is pretty substantial. We're not talking years, you know, but a lot of people get from one season to another with some of these crops. Yeah. My sweet potatoes, I still have a handful left and that's been about one year since I harvested Mm -hmm. them. Um, And so that's, you know, they say harvest or cure it for two weeks. I do mine for about a month mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just to make sure. And I do set it and forget it, but I'll come out and check on them. Sure. You know, it's part of, you know, um, our day, our garden walks. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point I'll go out there and I'll just be like, oh, let me go check on them. And maybe I'll roll my potatoes a little bit or something like that. Mm-hmm. I make sure that they're getting good airflow all the way around mm-hmm. them. So um, if you're, you know, if you're blessed enough to have like a wire rack or something where the air can just really circulate around it, then you don't really have to worry about it at all. Yeah. But if you have them I mean, in like a cramped space or something like that, I've heard of people using um, like their spare bathroom and putting a space heater in it mm-hmm. because that will keep it warmer mm-hmm. because you definitely want the heat, but it also suck the humidity out of it too, out of the air. So you can, you know, do that. And if, I mean, some people even go as far as taking a shower in that bathroom every once in a while, just to kind of give it that fluctuation level. Yeah to kind of help slow that process down as well. It's a little bit more complicated if you do that. But once you've cured and all of the vegetables that we talked about in the beginning is, you know, that's basically how you cure them. Well, I'm going to disagree. Hold on. I'm going to interject here because some of these things need a cooler temp, like sweet potatoes for sure. You want kind of a higher temperature, higher humidity, but garlic, you don't want it to be 80 degrees. 
you know, um, I don't have it in front of me, but um, it's as far as I read again, first year, but I was pretty diligent about reading on this. Um, it's definitely a cooler temperature, something like 70, 75 degrees at the highest. Yeah. And so that, I mean, honestly, it comes into when the garlic's harvested because generally speaking, it's cooler that time of year when it's harvested. So it kind of, if you're doing it in a, you know, outside or in a place like that, it kind of, it works to your advantage. So, I mean, there are temperature changes for them, but the general process of getting the airflow Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and all that, um, lower humidity, Warmth. I mean, you don't want to put them in the refrigerator to no, cure them. No, no, no. So, but the um, airflow. It, I would. I want to make sure I put an asterisk by that. That's significant. Um, yeah. And one of the ways that um, beyond. I mean, I don't have like a drying rack that's outside. So a lot of people have like a drying rack that they use for this kind of stuff. A shady spot in some cases. You don't. Mm-hmm. You want to avoid like direct sun. Um, but I've been able to double back and use my seed starting racks. Cause they're yeah. in the basement, you know? Um, so I do the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I mean, wired racks, I should say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wired racks. And I, like I left my garlic outside for about four or five days in the shade before I brought them in and really cured them in, in my garage. But I, I want to spend the last few minutes talking about the storage process afterwards. Cause it's really important. Um, and it's, it's easy but it's important to follow that process because if you've cured them correctly, then the storage process is really straightforward. Um, it's not in the refrigerator, but it's in a cooler place. And a lot of places that you would typically store these foods are naturally going to be cooler. Mm-hmm. So like in your cupboards or cabinets, whatever, um, you know, there's usually not a heating vent in that space. So it'll be cooler. Uh, it's dark in there. You want it dark and then using it in um, like cardboard. Mm-hmm. So we all order stuff from Amazon, stuff like that, like reuse like a shallow cardboard container. So they're not constantly piled up on each other. And that'll help with any kind of moisture that's in there. The cardboard will kind of suck it out slowly. It, it, it shouldn't be so wet that it will hold the moisture for a long period of time. And I even store some stuff under my guest bedroom Mm -hmm. under the bed. So I'll do that too, where it's, you know, it's real cool in there. You know, typically we have the vents closed off in the winter time, so we don't heat that space more than we need to. And then that'll help as well. Only problem with that is if you need something like when you get, you got to go and pull it out and all that stuff. But this is all part of why food preservation, in my mind, is why gardening is not a hobby. It's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was just thinking um, about how we are trying to accommodate for the kind of us reentering this garden world, this growing food, right? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. us being, you know, more sustaining, more self-sustaining. And, you know, the ancestors have already figured this all out. You know, they, they already had different shelters, different, you know, units on the property that serve these purposes. And it's, it's interesting to see us try to uh, be creative to mimic those things that were basically a standard before you know root cellars you know things like drying racks you know um you've seen if you ever seen some of the the old farms where they have like five or six different little houses if you will and those five or six different houses aren't really houses for people to live in there you know it's a smokehouse you know this is where you you know 
um, harvest, if you will, and prepare your chickens and your poultry and so on. So anyway, just a thought that I'm saying out loud that was in my head. No, you're exactly right. And I think when you get into food preservation, you tap into mm-hmm. that a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. You know, you you I think a lot of the problems and expense that people walk into are because they don't want to give part of their house mm-hmm. or their property mm-hmm. to these things that ultimately, if you want to do this, you're going to do it. But when you start trying to find like tricky ways to do it and store it away, it just makes it more difficult. Yeah. And instead embrace having the produce and stuff out and embrace having that there and curing it. And when people come to your house, like, what is this? What's going on here? And you explain to them like, it's crazy, but it really helps out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think the only thing is just make sure it's not so spread out where you don't remember where what is. <laughs> yeah. I'm still looking for a pair of orange scissors right now. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So everybody, that's that's curing. Please help support us. Check us out. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, Miss Batavia's got something she wants to tell you guys. Again? Again. See ya. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Hey, everybody. Thanks for checking out the Backyard Gardens podcast. If you like what we're doing and you want to continue to support the podcast, head over to our Patreon page to sign up. You can also make a one-time donation using PayPal. Both of these links are in the description. With your support, we can continue growing and helping others in their gardens. See ya. If you guys want some Backyard Gardens gear, go to the link below and check out our t-shirts, mugs, pint glasses, and other gear. All purchases go towards helping to support the show, so thank you so much in advance, and we hope you enjoy. We want everybody to have a garden, and we're going to give you a chance to win free seeds every month. Head over to BackyardGardensTV.com and enter your email address to be entered in all of our giveaways. Good luck! We want you to be a part of our gardening community. DM us a picture of your garden at Backyard Gardens TV on Instagram, and we will share it with our listeners.